Hey, welcome to Prayer House Online. My name is Forchi and it is a privilege to be connecting with you online today. Whether you are part of the Prayer House in Weymouth or Chickrell, or maybe you are just listening to this from whichever part of the world, a special welcome to you. If you are here for the first time, you can find out more about the Prayer House by visiting our website, prayerhouse.uk. That's prayerhouse.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram to know more about what's going on. For the last few weeks, we have been looking at kingdom culture and what that means for us today. We've looked at childlikeness and we've looked at repentance. We've looked at what it means to be devoted to Jesus and his words. So if you haven't been able to listen to them, you can go back and listen to the kingdom culture series that we have been doing. Today, we have Paul White speaking to us about unity and oneness and what this means and what Jesus meant about unity and oneness when he says that he desires that for us. And so we hope this is a blessing to you and that this inspires you and your church family and your church community to live a life more devoted to Jesus, but also experience that kingdom culture that we are longing for as a church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to connect. And Father, I pray that even as we hear these words, and your words from your word, or that it will minister to us, it will inspire us, it will encourage us. And Father, it will take us another step deeper and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42. There's a heading in my Bible. It says, The Fellowship of the Believers. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, sorry, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And we've said already, haven't we, that this is a really exciting little phase of the church's life. And it follows on from Pentecost. It follows on from the time where... um, God poured out his spirit on the 120 people and it spread quickly to another 300, uh, sorry, 3,000 people who were baptized that day. And Peter's message, which is in verse 38, he said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness, continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
So Peter's message was really powerful and kind of ignited something in people's hearts. But his message was this, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he makes this incredible statement. He says, this promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off. I just love kind of letting those words kind of sink in a bit and just kind of reflect on what that might mean because we're, we're now 2,000 plus years on, well, 2,000 years on probably roughly from this time when these things were happening. And here we are today talking about the same things and we're kind of saying, wow, what is there here for us? And But this promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit is the thing that is really producing the dynamic change, isn't it? So they've, they've been together, they were praying, they were very devoted to prayer in the first chapter of Acts, and then the Holy Spirit comes and suddenly there's this explosive growth in one day. And it creates among the people a kind of energy and dynamic where change must have been happening really quickly because um, suddenly church is has grown beyond anyone's expectation. Well, we don't really know what they expected, but it, it would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it, to suddenly grow by that number in one, one day. And there's this devotion. They com- We've talked about that. We talked a bit about that last week. If you missed it, it's on the podcast, so you can have a listen. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So no one was, it seems, was cracking the whip saying, you need to be at church on Sunday, you need to show up. They were just there. They couldn't get enough. They wanted to hear what the apostles were going to say next. And there was this culture of miracles. I think we have to say that when Jesus was walking around for doing the ministry that he did for those three years, it was marked by two or three things, wasn't it? It was marked by his preaching and his teaching, but it was also marked by miracles. And he was he was just everywhere he went, something unusual would happen and break out. But it seems as if the apostles here were continuing on in that vein. But it's interesting that when Peter preaches, he doesn't preach and say, this promise is for the apostles, but you're going to get something quite good. He says, this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. So Pete, didn't he talk about the kingdom culture being very much about children? Children are right at the center of it, both in terms of us having a childlike heart and a childlike kind of response before God, but also that children are This is for them. This isn't just for grown-ups. And I think if we can get that into our heads, that children are not the church of the future, they're the church of today, as much as any of the rest of us are, and that actually the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit for us all, and this promise is for our children. It's, It's their inheritance. This promise is for your children. It's not wouldn't it be nice if one or two children get the Holy Spirit? No, 
this promise is for your children and all who are far off. So even the ones who seem remote at the moment and distant from what God is doing, maybe they've lost interest. Maybe they've been to church and done that for a bit. But actually, this promise is for those who are far off as well. And it's just such a glorious, glorious word. I mean, it's just so important. Right. You will notice as well that when Peter preaches, he's very clear that it's this Jesus, the one they crucified. And he keeps kind of trying to bring them back to this Jesus. You know, remember the one who did all these miracles and you crucified him. This one, God has exalted and made both Lord and Christ. And now he's saying that, well, I've lost my place. Now he's saying you need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So when when the people came to faith, they didn't just kind of have an experience of God. They were converted and baptized into Jesus. They were baptized into Jesus Christ. And it's really, really, let me just, one more verse, and I'm, and I'm going to do a little bit of expounding. So verse 44 is just drawing on that one. It says, and all who believed together, all who, sorry, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And then it talks about them selling their stuff. And we talked a little bit about that last week. We talked a little bit about how counterintuitive it is to sell our stuff and give it away and invite people into our homes and all of that kind of thing. But it was this encounter with the Holy Spirit and this encounter with Jesus that was transforming something. But it's really interesting there where it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship and then it says and they had everything in common they had all things in common and the word there for fellowship and common both have the same root it's koinonia is the greek word for fellowship and koinos is the one for common and so they had everything in common because they had something really 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 significant in common they'd all received jesus They'd all been baptized into Jesus. They'd all received the Holy Spirit. And there's something that God, I believe, wants to establish again in our hearts and minds as his church and as part of his culture of heaven. And that is this sense that there is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The Apostle Paul says, doesn't he? Ephesians 4. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, there we are living in a, the real age of the blended family, aren't we? And multiple parents and multiple um, kind of step siblings and all the rest of it. In my family, I'm not saying my family is better than anyone else's. I'm just saying in my family, we have one dad. So we are all from the same dad. And we look at each other and we all look a little bit alike, but we're all from the same dad. And so there's something that we're also from the same mum as well, obviously, but that we're, well, not obviously, but we are. And uh, so there's something that uniquely binds us together, kind of like in a really 
quite powerful way, isn't there? So when we were at school, we would fight and stuff at home among, our, among each other, the siblings, we would squabble and so on and get into pretty ferocious fights. But the minute anyone picked on one of us at school, the others were like, you're going to do that about my sister or my brother. Do you know what I mean? And so there was that solidarity when it came to that. But there's something about the, the church of Jesus really having this understanding, this revelation that there is only one Lord, there's only one faith, and there's only one baptism. We're not a fragmented thing, and we're not little factions of people who like this and like that. Every single one of us has got different preferences. We've all got our own things that we do. We've all got our own skills, our hobbies, our passions, and so on. But something really powerful and really profound unites us, and that is that we have the same Lord. We've come in on exactly the same basis as each other. We've surrendered our hearts to Jesus. We were baptized into Jesus. We we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, baptized into him. It's like this is a very powerful graphic moment that that is saying something profound and saying that actually we have these things in common how many holy spirits are there there's only one holy spirit paul talks about the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good it's for the good of everybody the 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 promise that Peter is saying about the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and those who are far off. That pretty much is everybody, isn't it? And so the Holy Spirit receiving Jesus, these are incredible levelers and they bring us all down to the same level. There's only one level at the foot of the cross, isn't there? And that's on our knees in surrender to Jesus. Nobody is greater than anybody else at the foot of the cross. We're all, we come to him on exactly the same basis. That is that we need what he can give us. We need the salvation that he's paying for on that cross. And so there's that flattening out, whoopsie, that flattening out of hierarchy and position and everything else and we and in the church that Paul was talking to so often and would have been true of the the early church here with Peter is that there were slaves and masters and mistresses all in the same church family and sometimes he addresses them in the same letter but the the incredible thing, and James says, doesn't he, in his letter, he says, don't be influenced by the person's position in society, but actually make sure that the, the humble people are given proper honor and that they're held in the same. So don't look at the poor person and say, oh, you sit at my feet, but actually you know, and, and then show favoritism to the rich person because they'll probably be given a nice, generous whack of money or whatever. 
you sit up here, you have the special seat, and the poor person, well, you can just sit on the floor over there. James addresses that really directly. What's he talking about? He's talking that we have these things in common. So we, in, in our family, if I was to say to my sister, I'm more important than you because blah, blah, blah. She would look at me like, what are you talking about? I'm your sister. That's absolute nonsense. My brother is quite high-powered and has, you know, done, done very well in terms of his career. And he's probably the most well-paid of us all and so on and successful. But he doesn't try and be better than the rest of us and put the rest of us down because he knows we're all out of the same pod. We came from the same place. We've got the same parents. We grew up in the same hillbilly background as each other. Do you know what I mean? Now, so this is really important. Let's just look at that one I mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4 because it's a really important um, few verses that should probably be underlined in your Bible. I don't know if you're an underliner. It's a good good habit to get into. In fact, I don't know how you read the Bible. I don't even know if you read the Bible. But if you come to the Bible, and when you start reading it, and you say, Jesus, I believe you're in here somewhere. Speak to me. Show yourself to me through this that I'm reading today. Let it not just be words. Let it be alive. Let it be transformational. Let it transform my heart. Right, so here we are. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is writing. He's a prisoner. So he's got no status whatsoever. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Listen to this. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What's he saying? There is something at stake here. He's saying there is such a thing as the unity of the spirit. So how many Holy Spirits are there? There's just the one. And Paul is saying, right, the Holy Spirit cannot be divided like a cake. He can't be cut up into little pieces and dismembered. So he's saying, actually, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So we've been called. When, When we surrendered our hearts to Jesus, it was because he called us. With all humility and gentleness, this is the culture of the kingdom. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love. Yeah, but people are so annoying, aren't they? Sometimes. <laughs> never. Do we ever, does that mean we never disagree? No, it doesn't. But it, what it does mean is that we're, we're, we've seen something that's really, really important. And that is this unity of the spirit. And he's saying, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's something about when we stop being at peace with each other that the Holy Spirit really has a hard time bringing that unity 
anymore. And we forfeit it. So it's interesting that the Holy Spirit is God, but it seems that somehow by our own determination, we can overrule what God really wants in his church. So God really wants this bond of peace. He really wants the unity of the Spirit. But it seems that you and I can overrule that by digging in and falling out over something and staying falling out. So he says, there is one body. How many? One body, one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's cool, isn't it? It's really helpful to read it out loud because then you realize this was supposed to be read out loud, isn't it? So let's read it together. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all. That's amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? So the culture of the kingdom is about a kind of oneness that is irrelevant whether you go to a Baptist church or a Pentecostal church in a sense, because actually there's only one God, there's only one Lord, there's only one faith, there's only one baptism. There's only one Holy Spirit. And so really what we're saying is actually if, we're, if that is our Lord, then we need to see ourselves as one body, don't we? If Jesus is our Lord, we need to see ourselves as one body. I'm going to just say, tell a little story because this, is, this really shook me when it happened. There was, it was going back maybe 20 plus years and there were some horrible revelations coming out about the Catholic Church and some child abuse scandals. And of course, they haven't stopped, have they, since? But it hasn't just been the Catholic Church, it's been the Protestant Church, football teams, everything. And a whole host of horrible things have come out. But this was quite early on. And I was in a meeting of vicars, and there was a Catholic priest there. And my friend, Andrew, who most of you don't know, was with me. And he said, I would just like to say to, to this Catholic priest how sorry I am about what's happening with your church. And he said, but I want you to know as well that this is our problem. This isn't your problem that we can look at you, and look down our noses at you. This is our problem that actually we are together in it. Actually, as time would go on, it, it, how true that's been, and, and it's un, as things have unfolded, we realize, gosh, we are right up to our necks in it. The Protestant church, all the charismatic churches, all the ones that we really like, we have to be able to say, do you know what? Actually, there's been some things going on in secret that should never have gone on. 
nonetheless, this is, so this, we can't just say, oh, that's the Anglicans, that's their problem. This is our problem, isn't it, as a church? So we're part of the same thing. So we're part of the same thing when it's going well and when it's going badly. And there's an interesting question, which we won't go into today, is how far a church has to depart from biblical teaching and stuff for it still to count. And maybe we could look at that one day, but that's a, that's a tricky one because there are some, yeah, anyway. But what Paul's talking about here is he's talking about something so beautiful and so profound. He's saying you all received Jesus. You were all baptized into Jesus. You were all filled with the same Holy Spirit. There's only one body, the body of Christ. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, he says, is Christ divided? He's, they've got these polarizations and these different factions in the church in Corinth. And some are saying, well, I'm, a, I'm one of Paul's disciples. And someone else is saying, well, I'm with Apollos. Who's with Apollos? Come and stand by me. And they're all like kind of splitting off into splinter groups and kind of divided loyalties and stuff. And he, Paul's saying, this isn't how it's meant to be. He says, what I mean is that one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, that's Peter, or I follow Christ. And then some, you know, I've got the ace of spades, I follow Christ. Verse 13 of chapter 1, he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius and so on and so on and so on. And Paul's saying this is, this is a mockery of what it's meant to be. There is something so precious at stake, and it's the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If we look in John chapter 17, we really get Jesus' heart on it. So this is just before Jesus is going to be crucified and he's praying and he prays this incredible prayer. And in my Bible, it's called the high priestly prayer. And he, um, we could read the whole thing, couldn't we? Let's just read it. Jesus, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me, in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. That's so profound, isn't it? My goodness. Verse 6, he says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. 
I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. So he's now saying, I'm actually right now praying for the disciples, these dear friends you've given me. For they are yours. Verse 10, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me. Listen to this, that they may be one. Even as we are one. So Jesus is praying for the disciples who are constantly bickering about who's going to be the greatest. Right up until the very last supper, they're still squabbling over this nonsense. Who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus says, let them be one, that they may be one even as we are one. And so he's saying, Father, everything you've given me is from you. And all these precious things he's saying, they all came from you in the first place. And it's all going back to you. But now he, and so there's, there's such agreement between the Father and the Son. He's saying, Father, I pray that they'll be one as well. And I think sometimes we look at that, these verses and we think, man, how could this ever possibly happen when the church is full of people like us? But Jesus is praying, verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word. The world has hated them because they're not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. And now he's praying for us. Listen to this, verse 21, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, that's the weight, the ex. Oh, the um, reputation, the honor, the glory that you've given me, I have given to them. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Just mind-blowing, isn't it? Jesus is saying the same estimation, the same value, the same honor, the same weight, Father, that you have given me. I've given my church. I've given my disciples. I've given these people who are going to ultimately believe the message and people like Dottie and Joel and David and so on are going to believe the message. I've given them the glory 
that you gave me, the same reputation, the same honor, the same estimation. It's incredible, isn't it? And he prays that we would be perfectly one. I'm so tantalized by this and so frustrated at the same time when I see my own heart and I see my own shortcomings and so on. And as a church, you know, and I see the things that tear the literal body of Jesus apart in the world. And I see people like so polarized and hostile. I just think, man, this is so far away from what Jesus is praying. And yet, if Jesus is praying, it surely must be possible. Do you think? And it's surely going to happen, Pete? So he says, the glory that you have given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. And I've made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Wowzers. Here's the thing, and here's a challenge. I'm not going to preach that everybody should sell all their possessions and give it to the rest of us to share out. And we have a lovely party for a few weeks until it's all gone and no one has to go to work. I'm not, that is not my message. My message is we are part of Jesus's body. Jesus's body is not divided. Yet we are so often divided and we're so trenchant and rebellious in our division. I believe it breaks the heart of God. I absolutely do. I believe it breaks the heart of God. And I, I think there's something for us to reflect on this morning. And here's the challenge. Who, like Fran was saying, are you willing to get in the car and drive somewhere? to bring reconciliation. If you shut your eyes in this moment and say, Jesus, who have I broken relationship with? Who pops into your mind? Not a hypothetical question. Just for a moment, shut your eyes and who pops into your mind? Because I believe God wants us to then do what it takes to make take that initiative to start the process and allow God to bring restoration. See, the world can do division very, very well. It can't do unity. The devil can divide and conquer, but he can't bring unity. 
The true unity that Jesus is talking about is not uniformity where everyone wears the same kind of clothes and talks the same way, but it's actually about our hearts being knit together because we have something in common. We have something so beautiful in common. But we all have very different interests, but we have something in common. We have very different passions, but we have something in common. When we come together, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the Spirit falls on Ryan, he comes up and shares, and it's beneficial to us, isn't it? Fran comes up, and as she's speaking, we can sense the Spirit on what she's saying, and we're feeling stirred. It's because the... And actually, if you had watched the meeting all the way through, you realize, actually, there's only one message in this meeting today. Because the Holy Spirit has got a point that he's trying to establish in our hearts, and he's trying to establish not just a point once on a Sunday, but to establish a culture. So... Just finally then, John Wesley, people used to say to him, do you believe in sinless perfection? He said, yes. And theologically, that's a bit of an issue. So they wanted to fall out with him. And he said, okay, can you live without sin for one minute? And he said, they said, yeah. He said, well, could you live without sin for an hour? And they said, probably. He said, could you live without sin for a day? And he said, maybe. And he said, we'll live day by day. Here's the challenge. Can you live in unity for a day? Live day by day. Is that a good one? So can you live in unity with your husband or wife for one day without fighting? Live day by day. Can you live in unity with your kids for one day? Maybe. With your mum and dad or your dad or whoever it is who's annoying. Can you live in unity in your life group for one meeting? Well, do that then. And let's see what God will do. Let's say, right, okay, today... All the weapons are at the door. We're leaving all our weapons outside. And we're coming in to have unity and to make his business the business of the day. Yeah? Jesus, you can see our hearts. You can see our heads nodding and our little smiles. Lord, we're asking for you to transform our hearts, transform our culture. Lord, we're asking that you would do something staggering in Weymouth and Portland, in your church. Do something gorgeous and beautiful that people talk about when they go from here. Oh God, at the prayer house, help us, oh God to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Let's be courageous, speaking the truth in love, but also working hard to maintain that unity. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen. What an awesome and challenging word that was. 
We hope that it was a blessing to you and it has inspired you again today. If you want to know more about the prayer house, go to our website, prayerhouse.uk. You can simply also email us at connect at prayerhouse.uk. That's connect at prayerhouse.uk. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to know more about what's going on during the week and what we're up to. And also, if you want to bless the work of the prayer house and prayer house online, so we can keep producing these type of content for you, you can give at prayerhouse.uk forward slash give. It's prayerhouse.uk forward slash give. God bless you and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.